Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hello, Archons. Welcome to Help from Future Self, the conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends. I'm your host, Sydney, and I am joined this week by Blake. Hey, Blake, how you doing? Hey, Sydney. I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Not a thing in the world to complain about. <laughs> That's great to hear. So today we are going to be talking about play preparation. So what you need to do to prepare to play Keyforge, whether it's a casual game at a game store or competitive or even maybe online play, what you should do before you play the game. So Blake, when I brought this up to you, what was the first thing that crossed your mind? Uh, it was definitely missing the preparation for IRL competitive tournaments. <laughs> I 100% really missed that preparation. Like I, it, it brought me back to, to getting ready for the Vegas vault tour and everything that went into that process. And yeah, it's just, um, uh, yesteryear, so to speak. Right. And oh, I, I, I just thought ya. about, yeah, everything that went into that, that fun process of like, felt like almost like a drill sergeant training in a way with the, <laughs> the card game. Oh, uh, I totally what about you? agree. Like, what, I, what was I absolutely, I love preparing to play whether, so whether it's even just a, a casual get together, like for me, that's been so few and far between recently that like when one comes up on my, my schedule, like I plan everything down to like what I'm going to wear, like what key forge apparel <laughs> I have left for yes. me to like, bring because like it's only going to come out at an event like this so i i really yeah, really the, the do saurian like... dino socks need to come out yes! during those times right <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i got a couple different shirts made for like when when i was on uh the Keyforge teams and we we were the gray riders because we're in Grays lake illinois so i have a shirt for that and then when Keyforge live happened i had a shirt created for that so i also have like a Keyforge shirt like actual official merch so like yeah. i have choices and they're just they're sitting in my closet waiting for official events to happen i love it yeah i'm uh i'm the same way uh the apparel for sure like when it's big tournaments i'm like all right Am I wearing the Help from Future Self T-shirt today? Like, <laughs> do we need to flex a little bit out here. Like, <laughs> that's uh, that is always on my mind too. But I, I like what you said about the preparation for casual play because I'm like you, except for like down to the wire wearing thing. I don't always go that route, but <laughs> I do like curate kind of the decks I want to bring. And when I play with my friend Shane, um, he he and I like will use my decks, and he just kind of like gets to play my it's like we have a shared collection in that regard just because i have so many decks what's the point of him investing in a ton of decks right sure um and so it's kind of like oh what deck should i bring in for a play experience and because he really got into the game like kind of during aoa but he got into the game in dark tidings like that mm -hmm. he's like i want to come out to tournaments and start playing and he's actually nice. really good like uh, i mentioned before that he um he played triad and uh, we played that five deck triad and he won the tournament and then he came out the other week and we played sealed and he won the tournament so he's like oh, this like, sleeper agent <laughs> that i have in my midst and uh yeah he basically um has just been learning the game or the previous sets by me bringing out matchups for him to try out so i'll sometimes curate matchups that i think will be good and have a have a strong showing against each other so there isn't a blowout, you know? And I don't know if you think of things that way when you organize a casual sort of event or just evening with friends. 
Oh, totally. So what I usually do is when I like am bringing my deck boxes, I, I make sure I have like room to bring home one or two decks, you know, like knock on wood in case I win something. But I also like if I have room for five decks, I'll leave two empty. But like I have to bring three and I, I want them to be different. I want them especially like casual. I want to have them different power levels in case like we de- we decide to play on certain handicaps or I, I really like I actually think about it way too much when I'm like just preparing to simply go to a casual game night. Oh, I, I love that. I've I've been in that boat too. And then, and then you're like, okay, I want to bring this and this. And then you look and you're like, oh, I just put 10 decks in front of me. I'm like, I can't bring all 10 <laughs> decks. Like there's no way I'm going to have enough time to play all these tonight. So I, I always I always get in that boat sometimes. But it's like you, you want options, you know? Oh, totally. And like, I actually own a ton of deck boxes because it's something that like when I visit a, a game store in another city or town or like I'm traveling to a convention and and playing like one thing that they always have on display for, for sale are deck boxes. And so like right. one of my favorites that I, I barely ever use, but like I had to buy it the second I saw it. It's one where when you touch it, it actually changes color based on your the temperature of your hand. And Whoa. so- I know. And so one of them, it, it was red and it, or it's yellow and it turns red when you touch it. And I'm like, that's Keyforge. I have to own that. So like <laughs> I own so many deck boxes. And so I actually, I own a ton of stuff to play with, which is another thing I have to like go through when I'm deciding what to bring. Like I own so many play mats. Like I, I don't know what to do with all the play mats. And some of them, like, obviously I haven't won them all. I'm not that amazing, but I bought some and some aren't even Keyforge related related that like I just saw at a convention I'm like that's so pretty like I would play Keyforge on that so like I have to pick what playmat to bring like the keys that I have there's so many different types of keys especially the official ones but the ones I play with are are uh, were gifted to me and they're from Etsy and they're like they're super small but super heavy so everything on my like checklist to bring is is all in one area in my like my game room so that I make sure that I I don't forget any of it right oh I I'm kind of the same thing like right behind me right now I have this like it's like a like almost like a canvas sort of I don't know what to call it, like a bucket type of thing. It's meant, I think it's meant <laughs> for like throw pillows or something, but it's literally nice. just rolled up mats and the whole thing is full <laughs> of mats. And, and I, I do that too. And I'm weirdly like superstitious. And so I'll, I'll be like, what house do I want to like really open? Nice. What, what house do I want to like manifest into my, my pack? And I'm going to bring that mat. And honestly, more times than not, I end up getting that house in, uh, in the, the opening, which is kind of fun for the, the flavor factor. Nice. What's what's your favorite playmat? If you if you could only pick one to bring with you, what would it be? It's an easy one. It's the Rad Penny playmat. That's my <laughs> favorite one. Like there's no there's no like hesitation. I love that mat. It's so vibrant and I love the orange and the greens and the purples in it. It's it's amazing. That oh, that's one is fantastic. My favorite one to bring. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have um, some some of the tokens uh, at some point in time. I forget what like what official play award they were for, but there were some pink tokens or pur- purplish, Ooh. I guess. And um, so they were super rare. The cardboard and actu- ones, right? Yes, yes. And a lot of them were, they were actually- the disc kit. 
Yeah. And some yeah, of them, at least too. around us in, in the Midwest of, of the United States, some of them were misprinted. And so like, I have a set of the misprinted ones that I haven't taken out because they're, they're actually not as fun to play with because the misprint makes them weird on the table. But like, right. I, I love those tokens and like, those are my prized ones to play with. And except, you know, like I like the higher quality ones, like the little plastic ones or, or mm-hmm. the different styles I like to play with, but like my pink tokens are my favorite ones to bring with me. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I have like a disc kit, which has got the Invidious tracker, and then it's got nice. all the disc flavor tokens, the keys, the whole shebang. And I got like a Shadows one. Like it's, it's, I'm with you. I like having these little, I don't usually bring those. I'm, I'm like die hard on my like plastic or whatever resin tokens are my <laughs> totally. ones that I, are my go to. Shout out to Strategic Dino for hooking up some amazing tokens. Sweet. Um, but, Let's let's move into the competitive side of it, and we talked a little bit about you know IRL competitive because I think that's that's the easier one, but I think something that people are going to resonate with more right now is online competitive preparation because it's it's a whole different animal. I mean, it obviously falls into the category of uh, when you're preparing for IRL competitive, you're doing somewhat the same thing, mm-hmm. but it also provides an opportunity to prepare differently because the formats that exist can be vastly different. Absolutely. I think one thing that I, I didn't even think existed before I started playing online was verifying my deck. And that's something that um, some online uh, tournaments and leagues will will make you do and some don't. But when, when doing that, like because my collection before was just like a huge assortment of random decks sitting in, in my keep, my like assigned Keyforge area, I actually had to organize them because I have my list of decks in DOK, Decks of Keyforge Online. So if I'm going through and picking what deck I'm going to play in an online tournament by looking at that their Decks of Keyforge page, I have to make sure that I can find the actual deck in my collection and get a verification picture. So mm. so it's actually, it's it's something to think about if you're playing in a tournament like that. I mean, my decks are alphabetized, not like <gasps> strictly alphabetized but like all the a's are together so i know where to look there's always that moment where you can't find that one deck like why is it here what's going on where did i put it (laughs) (laughs) totally but i mean yeah that's that is a very valid point because uh it's it's a necessary process that exists for the online world and you and you have to respect it Uh, what else do you do when you're preparing for online tournaments So something that I'll do that I I guess I would also do for in-person, but I I do it online especially, is to just practice my opening hands. Um, Especially for for competitive play, I will, I'll start a game, um, whether it's it's against nobody or, or I just like have somebody like a friend um, log into my game so nobody else does before I hit play. Um, I'll have the opening hand happen and then I'll decide whether to keep it or not. And then that will be that that practice, like I will just then either we can restart or we can, um, I can just keep going in by myself and, and seeing opening hands just so that I can either get to the point where I have a set of cards that I, I know I'm hard mulliganing for, or I, I'm just comfortable deciding very quickly whether I'm going to keep that hand or not. What, like, so what are you actually looking for? Is it, is it the process of just seeing how that the cards come out together, like the way they can pair potentially? Exactly. That's what it is? Okay. Like, Because I mean, I feel like there's, there's certain decks that are more, like the way you play it is, I, I kind of think there's a couple, like we've talked about the Mulligan episode, obviously, if you guys want to 
know more about mulligans, check out our mulligan episode <laughs> previous. Uh, but it's, I think there's like certain things are like, this is a turn one card, you know, the classics, right. mother, daughter, uh, Eureka. Like those are the, the big ones for me. Like the, what's, oh my goodness, uh, the terror, like those ones, you know, the like obvious, like Flaxia, obvious turn one plays mm-hmm. um, that you, you're, they're no brainer ones. Um, and then you have ones, I think that fall into the category of, there are things in this deck that if it doesn't appear in the opening hand, then it's also a keeper, you know, because like, right, it right. didn't show up. You keep it. I think there's also a level of I've gotten an OK opening hand. It's not one of my great, like great cards, but I don't have the cards I don't want to see. And especially in those style of decks, I really want to make sure that I'm I'm comfortable using or thinking about how to use what did show up in my hand. Because once you know you don't have a card that you don't want to see, you're you're happy about it, but you still have to like start the game. You still have to play. So when those cards come up, being able to like combo or decide how to get to the cards I want to get to and and just practicing the beginning of the game, I guess. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like there's there's sometimes when you can be like, Well, I got four cards of one house and these aren't particularly helpful right now, but they're also not helpful later. So exactly. I like this. You know, those are <laughs> that's sometimes my favorite starting hand is when you can have like the ability to get rid of cards that are not going to be crucial later on and it just increases your probability of getting stuff that you do need as the game progresses. Like that's that's cool. I, I really like uh, I, I really like what you just said because I actually never, ever, 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 ever do that. <laughs> so it's like a totally new concept to me. Um, what do think, you do? What kind of things do you do to prep? If I'm prepping, uh, a lot of the time, it's the analysis paralysis of choosing a deck is my biggest totally. prepping situation. I find that just because of my schedule, a lot of the times I don't end up having a lot of time to practice. So I get caught, uh, depending on the type of tournament, between two schools of thought like they can be a competitive tournament like a league for example but i may take an approach where this is a strong deck that i have never really got a chance to play but i've always been interested so let's bring it out for this like that's Absolutely. that's one thought um the other one is to choose a deck that i'm very familiar with because i actually don't have time to practice and therefore that gives me i've already prepped with this deck i only need to play it a couple times just to give my mind that refresher of the things that happen and maybe see how it interacts like with newer sets when so that's usually i want to test against some dark tidings just to see how the the meta evolution and these new cards being part of the mix kind of affect the way that it wants to go Sure. Do you use any math or statistics or or let's say decks of Keyforge information to make any of those decisions? Um not really. Uh actually, okay, yes. Yes, when it comes to decks I haven't really played, but I'm like, oh, there's some mm. interesting stats or things in here that I like that are making me key in on this one. But for decks that I'm familiar with and are tried and tested, like not really. It's more like the I know how this deck plays, and that's the way I want to play this format. Could be one reason, or uh, I just haven't played this deck in a long time, and I absolutely love it. So let's rock it right now. That's that's another like, very viable reason why I'll choose one. Good call. Totally. I think that something I also struggle with with not struggle with, but is different for specifically online play is that when you have a timer, you're playing a timed game, the timer is like right in your face. Like it's there, you can see every mm-hmm. second, you know whose turn it is. Like that kind, working under that kind of stress, I, I actually like the the in real life timer situation where it's 
it's, yes, it's a little vague, but for me, that's a little less stressful. I know it's coming, it's going to happen, but I can't micromanage it. I know my opponent can't micromanage it. So if it's something that I, I'm going into a, a timed tournament, practicing with the timer on TCO is is something that really helps me just just get over the the last minute stress of if I don't finish my turn in the next 15 seconds, then it's on my turn when the timer goes and the other person gets a full turn after me. So working with that is something that that prepping for that stress is something that mm-hmm. benefits me too. I guess, I mean, you just brought up a good point. Like a lot of IRL competitive tournaments, they go long. Like what type of prep do you have for showing up to a, an IRL tournament? Like, is there certain things, rituals even that, that go into the mix in terms of being ready to play on the day, aside from obviously the, the accessories that you've gone over. (laughs) I will say I am totally all about the food and drink. I uh, definitely have like a water bottle with me. I will have snacks with me. I remember Mm -hmm. it was, um, on a time shapers podcast a long time ago, uh, Lady Aurora mentioned that, uh, she brings, uh, cherry tomatoes to, to events because like, they're just such a great snack. They're really quick and they're, they're really healthy and good for you. And, and they're small. So you can eat them in small bites. Like that actually, like that made me think about change my whole idea of what to snack on. Cause I'm usually like a candy bar and, and coffee kind of girl. So that was Mm. like, maybe I should actually bring, like, if I'm going to be doing this all day, maybe I should bring something that'll sustain me for more than just, you know, the sugar high. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely not the sh- the candy bar person or we say chocolate <laughs> bars here in in Canada, but I I was picking up what you were putting down. Um I'm I'm definitely more of protein bars, granola bars and beef jerky. Like that's my my go-to beef sort of jerky. thing. Yeah, and I also will bring um emergencies with me because they have the B vitamins for the brain. That's a big oh. one for me. Like my tournament prep is like yeah, an NRC or an emergency and sip that midway is a really big one for me. Bring a bottle of water, I can dump it in, like have that all ready to go. And uh, yeah, having water for sure. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm also big on sleep. So this, this mattered yep. a lot when I was uh, traveling for, for vault tours and conventions and stuff. And like, I was in a hotel room sharing with friends and like at, at Gen Con, there's, there's always so much going on and there's, there's so much more than just Keyforge happening. And so some of my friends were like at the social deduction room and they'd be there until three or 4am in the morning. And I told them all they need to do is not wake me up when like as much as I wanted to be there with them, like don't wake me up when you show up to the room because I, I don't want to, I don't want to be all groggy tomorrow. And then, I mean, jokingly between me and my friends, like they thought it would be funny because if I lost, then I was much more likely to join them in this social deduction room <laughs> the following night. So it was, it was, I was sterner than I had to be because they thought it would be a great idea, but Fair. it yeah. was, yeah, sleep is big for me. Mess with a bull, get the horns, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, what else is there to go over for for prepping? I guess there's also, in, in cases like where I'm going to be seeing people that I know and like very familiar with people that I'm, I'm going to be there with. Like, I want to get the social out of the way as well. And I just, and because I, I really like focusing on the game, I really enjoy the really like the challenge of playing a really competitive game of Keyforge. And I feel like as, as like bubbly and excited and happy as I can get in the, the emotional high of being around all of the, the friends that I only get to see at 
uh, Keyforge events or even mm-hmm. even an online tournament. Like the discords go crazy right around a, a competition online. And right. I feel like I just have to like center my mind for, for the excitement to be before and after and maybe during the like lunch break or something because right. otherwise I, I'm just so hyper happy to be interacting with all my Keyforge friends that it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't bode well for me in a game. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I feel like that when I go to the big, when I've gone to like a couple big tournaments, the two that I have gone to, I definitely felt that way. Like you, you, there's this high of getting to interact with people that you know online and you've never met in person that exists very strongly. But uh, for the local ones, I, it's like, they're people I see all the time. So it's much more easy because you see each other on the regular. Totally. But I, I get what you're saying about how the, the social aspect cannot be overlooked in terms of like the mental preparation for getting to, to have those interactions. Have you ever had something happen to you either online or in person that you wish you'd had prepared for? Like something that happened that surprised you, you could have like mitigated if you thought about it beforehand? Um, I've definitely deck had preparation. The deck selection for adaptive is always Ooh. my greatest weakness. Like af- as, as soon as I'm playing my third game, I'm just like, not even third game, but like as soon as I've seen two opponents play my deck, I was like, Oh yeah, that's not an adaptive deck. And I still haven't found <laughs> what an adaptive, good adaptive deck is. I'm it's for sure my worst format. And I think uh, my greatest area of improvement in my Keyforge gaming life is figuring out how to choose the correct adaptive deck. That's that would say I've had it on multiple occasions where I was like, this was not the one I should have brought. Good point. I I think about that a lot, especially when I'm going into multiple deck uh, variants and mm. having having like my my second or third deck be be weak enough that like they are the weakest link and it's just not going to be viable for me to to go very far unless my first deck literally wins the whole thing. So I right. think I think that having a, a set of decks that either complement each other or are so different that they're 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 really hard to to they they cover all my bases. Um, but like picking multiple decks when when that's the format that we're we're walking into i feel like is is my my weak suit when i need to like prepare for a tournament right okay i get that yeah i can it's like a little little bit analysis paralysis type of thing yeah and and also like i really just i'm not the best at practicing multiple different styles of decks and also like in a tournament switching from one to the next especially the ones where like uh, survival when you, when you lose a deck like you're moving on to the next one I I'm I'm that transition for me is something that I should probably even practice more because when I'm getting used to playing a deck I'm I'm I've probably practiced that deck a lot and I know what to expect and then like I I'm suddenly moving on to a different deck with totally different cards and even though I probably also practiced that deck not being like comfy like in my comfort zone yet like i have to put on the brakes for all the strategy Mm -hmm. and the thought processes for the previous deck that i really just i need to get better at transitioning from one deck to another fair no i get that that makes total sense I think that was a fantastic conversation about how to prepare to play Keyforge, whether whether it's casual or competitive and especially online as well. Um, but we cannot end an episode of Help from Future Self without the titular segment. Help, Help from, future, from self. future Self. Blake, you have one for us today. I do indeed. I had the privilege of opening up 132 AOA decks. I put out a video on, on my YouTube if you're uh, interested in seeing 
what came out of that. But there was one deck that rose to the top. Uh, if we're going to go by DOK standards, it was an 80 SAS double drummer knot combo. Nice. Uh, sorry, ganger knot combo. Yeah, there was there was two drummer knots, two ganger chieftains, and it had a whole bunch of other fun things in it that made it great. And it made me appreciate sequencing so much. Like the the ability to go with the wrong sequence to set up like the ultimate like combo was unbelievable with it. Like it made me just appreciate that getting a new deck that has that complexity and appreciate how AOA does have that nuanced complexity where you can do different things with archiving and setting up the way things go into your discard pile with some ZOAX researchers, helper bots, all those sort of things that can really lead to high-level moves. And I made so many mistakes playing it the first few times, and they're those mistakes that when you're playing, you literally do the thing. You're like, oh, crap, I should have done this, actually. And honestly... Sydney, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I find when I'm playing IRL, those mistakes happen so far less because of the act of acknowledging in your brain to do something and then taking the card out of your hand and going to put it down. There's so much time to catch yourself where when you're clicking, you just don't have that same like moment to like stop yourself from doing something that's not optimal. Oh, totally. Because you can rely on TCO to ask you if you sure you want to end your turn. And so you think a lot less about utilizing everything on the board. Yeah, and so sometimes you just play something in the wrong order as a result, or whereas whereas you can be like, oh, wait a second, maybe I should do this first type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what I realize is I need to sometimes um, not try and rush moments on TCO, especially with new decks. But at the same time, because it's just TCO and there's nothing on the line, it's also okay because making those mistakes makes it so much stronger in your mind to to actually execute things in the way that you didn't. Absolutely. I completely agree. Well, you can find us on Twitter at HFFS Podcast, and you can find me on TCO and Discord as SC Steel. Uh, Blake, where can people find you, and what do you have going on? You can find me on Discord is the best place. I mean, as cool as Twitter is, that's where I more just let people know something's been released. I find that I'm having much greater Discord conversations under Boulevard Blake number sign 3840. That's BLVD Blake number sign 3840. So hit me up there and be sure to join our HFFS server. I don't know why I just said it like that, but uh, I guess we're we're down under now. So um, yeah, you can join our server. We've got a lot of new people coming in. There's always great conversations going on there. And uh, just check out my YouTube. I'm doing a diverse set of content. I'm not putting out as much content, but I feel like the quality of the content I'm putting out now is a little bit more in-depth and there's more to it than I was in the past. Before it felt a little more fluff pieces. Now I'm getting into the nitty gritty. So be sure to check that out. Love it. That's great. Well, we will be back next week with another episode of Help from Future Self. And until then, stay forging.